now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you and our listening and viewing audiences on this Saturday, March the 14th. And uh, these are not normal times, but we will attempt to do a normal bat-around program. I'm Stan the Fan. In studio with me is Craig Heiss. Craig, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. How are you? I'm doing fine. And uh, Mr. Valley, how are you? Doing all right, all things considered. All right. These are... Not normal times. Uh, as we know, we have uh, all, and from varying points of view, Craig, I know you make your living on a nightly basis from games played and games covered. Uh, how are you handling this both uh, emotionally and financially? Uh, well, you know, obviously the hit is financially. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, emotionally, you know, you, it, it's, ma- it makes me stay in the house longer than I want to, <laughs> but uh, you may re you may rediscover your wife. I, I could, yeah. yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing. No, but, that would know, not be saying. a bad thing at all. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot more people out there worse off than I am. Yeah. So uh, uh, we'll 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 trudge through and see what happens. And uh, th- there are certain things, uh, y- you know, as this thing got going and and it became inevitable that that certain things were either going to get suspended or postponed uh while games were still being played i was at the knicks uh wizards game and that was on tuesday night and that was the first i had uh, a chance to uh encounter what they had proposed about locker rooms being closed and they would uh keep a six foot distance between players, coaches, you know, and the media, which meant that both teams uh, brought coaches into the interview room, the podium setting. And you were a distance away from them. A distance from them, right. And uh, also, they brought the players in after that. And and at that point, you're kind of at the mercy of the differing PR departments because – you know, if obviously Bradley Beal had 40 that night for the Wizards, and you knew he was going to come in, but then it's up to the the PR to people to to determine who's going to come in and speak to the media. So that was a little bit different. And then Wednesday, I was in studio at uh, 1067 The Fan right. in the afternoon uh, from 12 to 6, anchoring Sportscast. And at that time, and, and this is another thing, the Rudy Gobert thing, if. He doesn't test positive. Right. I'm wondering if this is a little bit, is handled a little bit differently. As, yeah, I, you know. I think that you might have gone to games without fans. Right. But, but the fact that players were sick uh, really was a, a was, major was, change. Was the monkey wrench in it all, yeah. yeah. And uh, so then on, on Wednesday, the NBA decided they were going to suspend games, and yet the NHL was still going to play. Right. Uh and and even in, in D.C., they were expecting fans to show up. They weren't canceling anything. Uh, and then Thursday, because we were supposed to, the Caps were supposed to play uh, the Red Wings, 
that got canceled Thursday morning, and so that's how long they waited to fall in line. You know, I I got to admit that I was really wrong on one thing. I was, you know, I was in Sarasota all week long, from Wednesday to Wednesday. And this thing grew exponentially, like every day, every couple hours, you're hearing different things. But my and my cousin Ron, who is a real newsman, retired now, but uh, Ron Matz kept saying, "I think they're going to end the uh, end spring training." And I said, "I don't really see that happening." I said, first of all, Arizona and Florida are both you know warm weather states." There's not a, an incredible amount of the illness going around. And I said, and I said, I could see fanless games, but I thought it bought MLB a couple weeks because there were two, literally two weeks from opening day, uh, the day after we left Florida. And I thought it made sense to keep the teams together because – what are you going to do when, when baseball comes back, be it April 15th, May 1st, May 15th? You're going to have to ramp up. And I thought at least at the initial outset of this thing, it would have bought them two weeks to sort of keep teams together, keep players playing. But, boy, was I dead wrong on that. Paul, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that we, we, we touched on a little bit last week when we were talking with you on the phone, and it was one of those things where we didn't anticipate any of this happening, where they were going to shut down all major sports, but it's one of those things that, that they're being proactive in order to try and get things under control here, and I think it's the right thing to do. Oh, I, I, I definitely do. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that a lot, of the, um, a lot of the players, like the Orioles, were asked to a man if they wanted to stay in Sarasota, if they wanted to go home or go back to the city, and a lot of them to a man stayed in, and they're, they're doing their own personal <laughs> workout. So I think that's a good thing. Right. Yankees voted unanimously to remain in Tampa. They did, but then that kind of changed yesterday when MLB, MLB came out. And, and the directive kind of between them and the players' union said, you know, everybody should go home or, you know, disperse. And, you know, before, before we hear some more news as to when they can reconvene again. Now the Nationals, they're supposed to hold a meeting this morning, and I've yet to get on Twitter to see uh, any of the comments about it, but uh, they were uh, going to meet this morning down in West Palm to decide what they were going to do. And, uh, again, these these workouts by the players, while the facilities are kind of shut down, are, are all voluntary. And so, you know, here he, you've gone through a whole month of spring training now, including games. And I know with the two teams that we are involved in, uh, you're seeing starting pitching now go to about 60, 70 pitches and about four or five innings. They're real ramped up. They're, they're, they're ready they're, to they're, go. They're kind of yeah. ramped up and ready to go. And now if that gets taken back, you're, you're, you're looking at, you know, especially from a pitching standpoint, players who are going to have to build back up again. Now, that said, this initiative that came down yesterday – has a lot of people speculating that we may not see baseball until at least the first of May. Yeah, and I'm pretty were, sure it's going to be at least the first of May. And they were talking about, uh, you know, the season starting uh, on 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 April the ninth. And keep in mind, the latest that it's ever started was the 25th or 26th of April. And that was back uh, when they had the strike, 94-95. Right. When they came back in 95 and th when they got that settled, that's how long. But then remember what happened, too, with that and also 9-11. They pushed the games that were canceled right. back to the end of the season. So. Right. 
Well, it, it's certainly, um, you know, uh, uh, a, a new frontier. We've never been here before without our sports. And, uh, you know, I, I, the, the probably the most shocking thing of all was how quickly the NCAA uh, voted to just I mean, they, of all the leagues, they had the worst luck in terms of timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, I think they made the right move because I couldn't imagine an NCAA tournament, Craig, you know, the games that really mattered being played in front of empty, empty arenas. Well, and they had already made plans that if they were going to hold the national championship, uh, the Final Four, right. uh, that was going to be pushed to a smaller venue than uh, the Mercedes-Benz Dome down in Atlanta. Right. So, uh, you know, where they would have held that, who knows? I don't think we have to worry about it now. But, uh, yeah. They, they came out yesterday. There was a story, on, I think it was in the Washington Post. I'm not sure, though. But I read it online that they really, at the last minute, they had a contingency discussed to pare the thing down to 16 teams and play it over the entire thing over about a five-day period. And it would have been played... The, the finals would have been played in Atlanta at the smaller venue. Yeah, yeah, at the uh, uh, forget yeah, where the Hawks called. play, yeah. yeah, Phillips so, Arena. But they ended up, there didn't seem to be an appetite for cutting it down to 16 teams. They felt it wouldn't have been fair enough to pick Well, and I mean, and, and think about it from that standpoint, when you're picking seeds and things of that nature, you had, uh, in the Big Ten, you had three teams share the title. Right. In the Big East, you had three teams share, share the, title. the title. Right. So, so regular all season, six of those teams. All, so, all six of those. So all of a sudden, you got six of the 16. Right. Right. In those two power conferences. Right. All right. Let me uh, shoot our guest list at you this week. Uh, we had tried to get Barry Weinberg on a couple weeks ago, and we were not successful. He has written a new book. Am I on the camera pretty well? Yeah, you got it. You got okay. Eating My Way Through Baseball. And Craig Heiss knows Barry Weinberg for a long time. Yeah. And I know him as well. Trainer, former trainer with the Oakland Athletics and St. Louis, head trainer for the Oakland Athletics and St. Louis Cardinals. Probably 30 years in the game of baseball. He was an assistant trainer for a couple teams. I think the Yankees and Pittsburgh at different times. He's written this book. Uh, and this is not a compendium of where to eat. You know, a lo- when I first heard right. the title, I thought it was going, oh, that's interesting. He'll tell us to eat at Little Italy and Baltimore and so-and-so in New York and St. Louis. This is really a book more about his stories and and dinners he had with people throughout the game. So we'll talk with Barry Weinberg. And apropos, Craig, to having a head trainer on as distinguished as Barry, we'll talk to him a little bit about the coronavirus uh, and what it's done to our the game we love, the national pastime. We'll also be able to talk to him a little bit, and although we make it very clear he's never uh, examined Trey Mancini, um, uh, you know, we'll talk to him a little bit about what this is looking like for Trey Mancini uh, as he begins this, really begins this battle against the cancer, the malignant tumor that was found in his colon. And Barry made a great point. The recognition by these trainers, the Orioles had, the trainers and the doctors that they had to look into this and get him a colonoscopy may have very much saved his life because normally, I don't know about you, I've never heard about anybody like at that age 
getting colonoscopies routinely, mm-hmm. so it had to be something that they saw uh, in what was going on with him, and apparently he had been sort of ill much of spring training. He had not been feeling himself, not played a lot, and then they did this exam and found a malignant tumor in his colon. It's been removed, um, and we'll find out from Barry a little bit about what that process is. Craig, just your thoughts. Uh, first of all, Barry immediately said, let's worry about the person, Trey Mancini, worry about baseball later. But I don't see any way, no matter when this season starts, that Trey Mancini is going to play any or much baseball this season. I can't imagine that that's going to be the case. And uh, again, uh, I was on a show with Terry Ford last night where uh, we, we were discussing this a little bit, and I just, you know, anybody that's been around Trey Mancini knows one thing. Yes, he means a lot to the Orioles. He means a lot to the city. He's a very, very good baseball player. But more than anything else, Trey Mancini is a great person. And anybody, very special. Any, very anybody special. that's ever come in contact with Trey, had any kind of conversations, uh, knows this, and uh, you just hope and pray for the best. And, uh, you know, the su- surgery was successful. Now we wait for the pathology reports and everything to come back from the lab to see what the next course of action is and to yeah. see exactly how bad it was, how much of it they got, that kind of thing. You know, it's. It, I don't mean to make too, too much dramatically of this, but, you know, our cover story on Mo Gabba mm-hmm. for the best of issue where he was sports person of the year. Trey figures prominently in that story. Oh, absolutely, because he and, and Mo are uh, they're very pretty tight. tight. Yeah. And and it's interesting that here Mancini had so much empathy for, for Mo and his mom that during an off an off few days during the All Star break last year, he ended up getting together with Mo and his mom and spent some time with them. Wouldn't it be ironic if now Mo ends up being sort of the support system for Trey Mancini on some level? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the 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 level that it's on is the fact that you you draw you know any you draw courage out of watching Mo and how he handles it and what he's going through. Great way to put it. Yep. And uh, you, you know, I, I think Trey probably knows that already yep and uh we'll we'll handle this in, in just typical, interesting here in the, typical trey mancini fashion this is not a knock on any other oreo but no. it's very interesting that that's the guy that was drawn to mo mm-hmm. and his battle with cancer and uh yeah uh, it's just f- fascinating anyway barry weinberg joins us at ten twenty. that's just a couple minutes away bill latson will join us from mlb.com at ten forty five. Eric Garfield, an old friend of mine, and I don't know, you probably don't know Eric. Eric used to be a sports producer for Steve Davis on BAL. Uh, uh, I'm sure, Eric, I'm sure I do. And Eric uh, moved to Sarasota a few years back, opened up the Baltimore Snowball Company. And We've had was, him on the show before. Yes, and he's done very well with his snowball company until last, like March 1st, right about that, he was hit by a car while he was riding his bike in Sarasota, and he's been out of work for the better part of a year, mm-hmm. uh, rehabbing, trying to get back to some normalcy. He now is writing for Tony Pente. He's a huge baseball prospects guy. We'll talk to him about Oriole prospects in the system. Um, 
for whenever they start playing again. He knows the whole system, and he's now writing for Orioles Hangout. And then at 11.35, and I chose not to change this guest. Uh, this was Matt Zells, who's also been on the show a couple times last year, writes for Fantasy Alarm, Howard Bender's company. Uh, they do such a great job with fantasy. Um, and he's going to talk to us about Nats and Oriole prospects and prospects throughout the game but very interesting, and nobody has written this because it's so new. Craig, what, what does this do? I remember reading my first or second day in Sarasota when asked about the Orioles draft. Mike Elias says, well, this is as soon as we break camp here. That's when I really dig in, me and my scouts dig in in April and May mm-hmm. for this June's draft. How will they choose what players they won't have been able to see them? So will they sort of go by what they saw last year? You know, they played a few games this year, well, but not I, much. I think part of it is what they saw last year, but the other part of it is too. We, you know, before Mike got here, we ha- we heard all about the uh, analytics and things of that nature. This will really put them to the test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. So anyway, we'll talk to Matt Zells about that. Um, but let's, before we get Barry Weinberg, no, I mean, you can go, go ahead and dial him. Let's tell folks about the Costas Inn because they're still open for business. Absolutely. And uh, we were in here middle of the week, uh, Wednesday, in fact, for steak night. So uh, is there any chance that Nick would hire you now to sing because you're available? Well, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. Well, it's like Nick says, <laughs> if, if I don't get up there in time, on a Friday night, right? He says, "I'm not singing without my wingman." So there you go. I mean, it's kind of a team type of thing. But you'll be able to be there on time now. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I got a lot of time on my right. hands the next month. That's I, right. I wonder if that would draw a lot of people there appearing nightly. Craig Heist. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Yeah, the the bar was pretty empty. I guess right. that's what you got. Costas in anyway. 4100 North Point Boulevard, best place for seafood in the Baltimore area, and uh, great specials. We alluded to them uh, on the menu each and every night. Crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night with half-priced bottles of wine on Wednesday, lobster night on Thursday. You can get that either stuffed or plain. Uh, great specials. The prime rib is to die for, uh, and and you can also uh, order crabs, but make sure you get a call ahead and order them to make sure they are available at this time of the year. 410-477-1975 is right. the phone number. The cost uh, is in. Pete and Nick will treat you right. All right. And they're still open for business. Apropos to hearing about a restaurant, joining us now is uh, an old acquaintance of both Craig Heist and myself, Barry Weinberg, longtime Major League trainer with the Oakland A's, St. Louis Cardinals, still uh, with the training staff of the St. Louis Cardinals, and that is Barry Weinberg. Barry, how are you? Good. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Your it's book. a pleasure. I have nothing else to do today. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we're, we're all in that boat. What? Told us not to show up. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, was, what would your normal day be like today if baseball were still – in progress. Well, today I still work in player development uh, with the Cardinals under Gary LaRock, uh, Director of Player Development. And what I do in the morning, I make sure that uh, the guys, uh, the minor league kids are fed, and that's timely. And then they have meetings in the morning, introductions. And what I'll do is I give a uh, about a five to ten minute 
uh, motivation, inspirational talk to the guys. That they call it Weinberg's Words of Wisdom. So I've been doing it for about eight or nine years now. Every morning, uh, the kids get uh, about ten minutes of Uncle Barry. That sounds good. Hey, I, I have you on to talk about your book, Eating My Way Through Baseball, but you just mentioned that the players at, at a camp get fed. How different is what they get fed today from oh, 25 years ago when you may have <laughs> first been in Oakland? Well, you know, some of the veterans, we, we joke about that that uh, we we used to have soup and crackers, but if you didn't, if you didn't get there quick enough, right. anything that was in the soup was gone, and all you got was some broth <laughs> or water. But now we have um, we have two two forms of protein. It might be a chicken and a, and a beef, or and or a fish, and then we have uh, a, a sixteen item salad bar. We have a pasta station. We have a soup station. So it's quite a bit different, you know. And and you know, but but times have changed, and, and their education toward. Their nutrition has changed, and and the kids are uh, reaping the benefits of the knowledge, and and also the uh, efforts in the organizations to spend more money on the nutrition and their performance. Barry, let me ask you this about the book: uh, what prompted it, and uh, uh, what where did the idea come from? And I mean, obviously, I know where it came from all your years in baseball, but. What prompted you to write the book, and, and what was the idea, and how did that come about? Well, it's pretty simple. I can't cook, <laughs> you know, nor do I try. I, I've cooked out every meal for over 40 years now, you know, and people joke with me and say, no, you're kidding. I said, well, go check my refrigerator. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it, it, it's bottled water, but, but the, the key is to check my oven because here in Florida, now that I live in Florida, I keep my cold-weather sweaters you know, because I don't have room in my closets, so I, I keep my sweaters in my oven. So, in other words, your refrigerator <laughs> it was kind of similar to what uh, Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun when he opens the refrigerator and all yeah. the stuff in the all the stuff in the freezer is really in ice. <laughs> right in ice. Right now, you know, uh, I fortunately have a uh, my best friend. They they come visit me uh, at Christmas time, and my Christmas gifts. She makes me twenty four. Or twenty-five soups that I freeze, and so during the course of the year, by the time Christmas comes again, I run out of the soups, and so that's my Christmas present. So I can reheat. I'm I'm as, I'm as good as anybody at reheating. Right. You know, the, but no, actually, the book came. I, you know, we'd sit around and tell stories. You know, uh, and that's what happens when you go to dinner or in clubhouses and locker rooms. You, you know, you tell baseball stories, and you had history, and you had characters in the game. You know, especially when I broke in in the seventies. You know, and and I broke in with with uh, Reggie Jackson and Thurman Munson and Bucky Dent and Greg Nettles and 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 Ron Guidry and Tommy John and these are you know these are amazing uh, people with with amazing history amazing stories. So I used to go to dinner with these people and 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 one of the guys was uh, uh, an actor, Mike Bataluco, and he he brought a friend of his, Jonathan Shapiro, who's a writer. He'd written for The Practice, the TV show The Practice, and Blacklist, and now. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton with, on uh, Goliath for an Amazon. And they said, Barry, you got to write some of these down. I said, I'm not a writer. He said, seriously, you got to write these down. People got to hear some of these stories, you know. And I think some of it's important that we preserve some of the stories and some of the history that's gone on in the game and the characters that we... So uh, finally he said, here, here's a lady's number. 
call this number. She's going to transcribe the stories, and that's the genesis of the book. And four years later, here it is. Hey, you just mentioned a name, Thurman Munson, and I got to see you uh, uh, about two <laughs> weeks ago. You spoke at the uh, synagogue, Oheb Shalom. Adam mm-hmm. Gladstone arranged it, your good friend with the Team yep. Israel. And you told a, a pretty poignant story about how tough Munson was on you for a long time. Can you share yeah. that with our audience? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I think, you know, back then when you were a rookie, you were a rookie. And, you know, you didn't get treated uh, as good as, you know, as I think they do now, you know. And, and I don't want to use the word hazing, but, yep. you know, but he was tough on me. And, and uh, he, the he first tested, day of camp. He tested you, let's put it that way. Oh, he introduced himself. I, I'm Thurman Munson. I, I want to say no kidding, you know. <laughs> uh, I said, I'm Barry Weinberg. So he, uh, he came back about halfway through camp. Ca- through the practice the first day and said, uh, hey, um, um, I couldn't remember her name. You can see it. Hey, uh, uh, Goldberg. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, it's Weinberg. He goes, oh, okay, Goldberg. Call me Goldberg every day. Right. Never called him. But he always, he says, you know, he'd always, uh, but he'd give me a hard time about being from Maryland, about being Jewish, about being, you know, uh, having curly hair, about being a rookie. It didn't matter. You know, he, he teased me about the shoes I wore. Mm-hmm. But guess what? At the end of the day, there'd be a new pair of shoes in my locker. You know, he says, why don't you use these? What size do you wear? Or, mm-hmm. or at the end of the day, he'd say, here, here's some money. Why don't you go take, you, take yourself to dinner? You know, so underneath, he understood I could take it, and, and, and all of a sudden, we, we became real close. And, and I actually got to fly with him. And that, the story I think you're referring to is that, yep. that uh, we had, we had uh, gone out several times, and he took me out for my birthday. And after that, he offered me to fly me back to Columbus, Ohio, where I was the year before in AAA with the Columbus Clippers. Right. And he lived in Canton, so he would fly, and I'd, I'd uh, meet him back in Canton, and then we'd, uh, we'd go on back to New York after an off day. Well, August 1st was the, uh, we were playing in Chicago, and he said, Barry, he says, uh, come on, I'll take you home, Goldberg. I said, no, I, you know, I, I, I got to go back to New York. My sister was getting married, and I had things to do, and I promised some people, uh, on that that off day, that Thursday, August second, that I would, I had to, uh, you know, fill some obligations, and he said okay. And the next day, he was killed mm, in, uh, a, in, in a in the airplane a tragic crash. plane crash. And yep. to this day, I always say that August second is really a tough day for me. It, you know, and he, you know, although it was a short time, he he was so instrumental in in, in my development. I think because he he understood how how much passion he had for the game, and then how much passion he had for the for his family and and and. And what a what a, a neat guy he was. You know, he he told a player once. He a guy came in swearing. He says, you know, the heck with this game. You know, this game stinks. I hate this game. Thurman grabbed him by the shirt tail and said, "Come on, son, take your uniform off, put it in the laundry basket, and quit. Mm-hmm. No one will care." He said, "Babe Ruth died, the greatest player ever, and the game goes on. Take your uniform off, put it away, and walk out of here." Well, needless to say, the kid was back the next day without a complaint. Yeah, and another uniform. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, no. He, he yeah, it was cleaned and put in his locker. But no. you know, he was. You know, I think people along your way, and I, you know, make impacts uh, in different ways on your life. And and uh, you know, he definitely uh, made an impact. And along with guys like Bobby Mercer, who we miss very badly, and and uh, I still stay in touch with Bucky Dent a lot. And we have dinner, you know, uh, each month down here in Florida. And you know, and you relive these stories and and. The past and understand how how special it was. Sometimes I I have an expression that you can't see the picture because you're within the frame, 
very seldom we ever step back and look at the magnitude of what we do and how special it was because we think all all that what we do isn't special it's just what we do every day eating right. eating my way through baseball is the book barry weinberg is the author longtime trainer of the oakland a's st louis cardinals craig well you know you mentioned thurman munson barry and you know uh as a kid uh, I remember watching, I'm in my teens at this point in time, but I, I remember watching the Orioles game because uh, they were the first team that they played after the death and the funeral. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and Bobby Mercer uh, wins that game basically yeah. for the Yankees, uh, you, you know. And, and, but the emo- and he drove in all five runs. All five runs, right, exactly. Yeah. But the raw emotion of that night and watching the game on TV and watching the reaction from both the Orioles and the Yankees is something I'll never ever forget. Yeah, that was, and I'm sure everyone who took part of that um, game, whether the Oriole or Yankee, you know, it, it's you know, certain uh, dates and certain memories stand out in your life. You know what I mean? And you always you know, go back, whether it was when Kennedy was shot, or you know, uh, you know, what I mean, you know, when Colby died. Now, you know, you always know where you were, and you yeah. know, and and those are things like you say when you're Baltimorean, you know, and and you and you had to that you grew up in that era, you knew exactly uh, how special that was or how devastating that day was. Yeah, I remember when Thurman Munson died. I was in Boulder, Colorado, finishing up the last day of a two-and-a-half-week camping trip uh, through Colorado and Idaho, and uh, it was an amazing trip, and that was very sad news. We're talking to Barry Weinberg, eating my way through baseball. Barry, you're the the main two jobs of your career were with the Oakland A's, St. Louis Cardinals. Your general manager at both places was Walt Jockety, and your manager was Tony Larusa. I'm thinking it's not a coincidence that they took you along from Oakland to St. Louis. You must have had a special relationship with both. Yeah, Walt was the assistant general manager in Oakland, and then uh, he went to Colorado for a brief time, and then he became the ma- the general manager of the. Uh, of the Cardinals and Tony, of course, I spent ten years in in Saint, in, uh, in Oakland with Tony, and then uh, fourteen in St. Louis. So I was on the bench for twenty four years with wow. Tony, and I think by the twenty fourth year, I think he started to like me. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, what was so What was so special about him? And he was pretty revolutionary in the use of bullpenning. You know, um, be, because it, Tony had a, a, a an unbelievable way of utilizing people. To, to maximize their efficiency and, and to get the best out of each player and, and utilize them, you know, uh, in the best way. He really, he really uh, judged how each player could help that team that day to win that game. Yep. And, you know, he was pretty amazing. He, always, he has a great expression. He said, you know, you, you learn to slow the game down. In other words, the game of baseball and, and professional sports is very fast, and you have to be proactive, not reactive. It's very hard to be reactive in our game because it gets on you really quick. And so he was, he was pretty amazing. If you ever watched him in the dugout, he, he had his little pad of paper and he was writing notes. Mm-hmm. Well, he was looking at three innings ahead. If so-and-so got on base, I was going to bring this guy in. If, the, you know, if this situation happened. So he was very proactive and, and understood you know, the things that could happen. So things didn't surprise him, you know, and, and that was the, the amazing part of him. But the other amazing part, and if you ask players who, who, did, who, who were traded to the team or signed with the team, they were amazed how funny he was. You know, he has this stoic, uh, tough, you know, look, but, 
but he was very funny. He was. He, I I always tell the story that that one day I'm I'm sitting on a bench. It's in September, I think, and and uh, he yells, "Barry, get down here!" Now the players are paying attention, like, "Oh gosh, what's going on?" So I go down. He whispers something in my ear, and I run up to the clubhouse. Right, I run back down, and I I give him the information he wanted. <laughs> You want to know who was winning the Ryder Cup? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's said, funny. Are we ahead, or you know, who was winning? It, he had that much passion because he loved the Ryder Cup because it was a great team sport. You yeah. know, it was an individual finally come together as a team, and, and he thought that was fascinating. You know, and the guys were going, "What do you want? What do you want?" I said, "Nothing." You know, they thought, "Oh my gosh, something happened." You know, and So he was very funny. He was self-deprecating. He was, you know, he had a great sense of humor and. uh you know, I've shared many, many dinners with him. You know, as as written in the book, there's a a lot of great stories about Tony, uh, of the dinners we shared and and the things that we talked about, and and uh, you know, some of the great moments that. And we 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 had some great dinners with great people. You know, you you know, you're talking about having dinner with Tony. You end up going to dinner with John Grisham. You end up going with with uh, Bill Parcells and Bobby Knight. And, I was just gonna say. Um, one of the, yeah, one of the great one of the great things that I had a chance to see the other side of Tony LaRusse is you're talking about the sense of humor is down in Jupiter when Bobby Knight would come to spring oh, yeah. training and to just watch those two or be very close to those two out when they were talking on the field behind the batting cage I mean, it, it's, it would give you a different perspective on both those guys that maybe not a lot of other people know about. Well, you know, the other thing is, too, here's two great coaches, both Hall of Famers, and they wanted to learn from each other. They, you know what I mean? Everyone, he wanted, to, he wanted to pick Coach Knight's brain at the same way Coach Knight would try to find something that Tony did that could make his, his squads better, or, you know what I mean? And so they were always, uh, and Tony, when you go out with Tony, he always has a little, little notepad. He'll write on, on the tablecloth, a napkin, anything, if he finds a note. And then we've been out with, you know, some amazing people, amazing coaches along the way. And, uh, and he would, he would always, uh, write a note because it might help him. It might, uh, have a situation where he's going to come up that, that this would, uh, benefit his team or himself. Uh, I cannot remember from the story you told at the synagogue a couple weeks ago whether it was back with the Yankees that you uh, worked with Billy Martin or whether it was in yeah. Oakland. Uh, but uh, your thoughts on Billy, obviously a very troubled version of a genius manager, though. Well, you know, it, it, uh, I was, he was, <laughs> when I was in New York, we had five managers in three years, you know, and Billy was, was one of them. And, uh, then after the 1981 season, uh, uh, I guess uh, Mr. Steinberg fired me because I personally lost the World Series for him. <laughs> you know, no, uh, I was replaced. But anyways, uh, first call I made was to Billy Martin, and three weeks later I was a head trainer for the Oakland A's. So, wow, you know, he was very loyal and uh, he understood things, and and uh, so he was he was good to me. I mean, he, he was, you know, I, I uh, really credit from for furthering my career, you know, but you're right. He, uh, uh you know, people, <laughs> people say, could he manage now? I said, no, um, yeah, I mean, he could manage, but the hard part would be the social media, you know, cause, right. cause you know, and, and because nowadays a lot of things that he did and the things we did in the seventies and eighties couldn't, 
you, you know, it'd be viral in, in eight seconds. Yeah, you, you know? know, it's funny. I think about guys like Billy Martin, think about guys like Earl Weaver, and just yeah. how, how they would handle the social media of today. Oh, it just wasn't the right time for them. No. I mean, this wouldn't be the right time for them. Uh, Barry. Oh, except, you know, I think they would adjust. You know, I mean, they were that good of managers. You know, Billy was a. Uh, his managing skills, he had this. This insight and foresight, you know, to, to games, and you watch them in a game. That I mean, someone once said, you know, when when the game started to when the game ended, no one was better than Billy. But unfortunately, when the game ended to when the game started, there was not a lot of people worse. You know, that's yeah, good way to put it. But, you uh, know, but he was terrific. You know, and he, and he he treated me terrific, and you know, uh, he was loyal to to his people. And I tell you what, it, it, he he was a delight to watch manage. It's just. The little things he would do, whether calling a pickoff or a pitch out or when to steal, when to hit and run. He was he was really creative. Uh, the book, uh, Eating My Way Through Baseball by Barry Weinberg. It's a terrific, terrific read. Barry, tell us a little bit about the city of St. Louis, why it's so in love with the Cardinals. You know what? I, when I first got there, I, I said to someone, I, I, I made the mistake, I said, are you a Cardinal fan? And the guy looked at me like I have three noses. Like, we're all Cardinal fans here. You know, there isn't anyone. Because what happened, I learned that the history, before television, uh, KMOX was the radio station in, in St. Louis. It went to like 30 states. Yeah. Okay, so when you listen to the radio, your transistor, in states like Arkansas and Iowa and Mississippi and Alabama and, you know, Illinois, you know, uh, you you could you could pick up the Cardinal games, and so I think your grandfathers would listen to the Cardinals games. So you became a Cardinal fan, and and before uh, 1957, the St. Louis was the farthest team west. That's right. Yeah. In baseball, and I think the farthest team south also. Uh, yes, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so it just went to a so people you know people grew up Cardinal fans and they they stuck to be it's got an amazing fan base you know I I am a big Blues fan and I go you know their their trainer Ray Borelli and I become very close friends and I I'll, side note one of the stories in the book I I got to spend the day with him when he had the Stanley Cup last year you know and I've been to seven World Series but there was many. Next to that, there was nothing more thrilling than holding the Stanley Cup. That was, I mean, that was yeah. a, a neat, you know, a, really a cool thing. But, but you go, I go to hockey games, and, and under the, under, I could hear people go, "That's Barry Weinberg. He's a trainer with the Cardinals." And I'm thinking, "Gosh, the people know who you are. They know baseball. They study the game. They're they're appreciative. They're and they're they're knowledgeable and they're uh, they're really respectful. And you know, they'll they'll applaud." Uh, a good play by the other team. They they may not they're not going to root for him, but you know that they appreciate that. And what they did with Albert Pujols coming back yeah. last year for the first time with with the Angels was unbre- unbelievable yeah. and unprecedented. They gave I, him a standing ovation after a visiting player hit a home run against him. Yeah. I have I have that same problem, Barry. I go to stadiums, I go down in the tunnel, right. and everybody says, "Hey, there's Craig Heist, that loudmouth from 1067. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. You have to have security with you, right? Exactly. Security, security. <laughs> you keep the paparazzi away from you. Right. Hey, Barry, before we let you go, three people in St. Louis, Stan Musial, the late Stan Musial, late Red Shandines, and Bob Gibson. Uh, yep. you, you ever have a dinner with those guys? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've had several. And and you can put, you know you can put in that group Jack Buck. Yeah. Oh, of yeah. Of course. Yep. Yeah. I'll tell you what, having dinners with those guys, it, you just sit there and, and – 
you know, uh, you know, you you stay quiet. I, I don't say, but you you listen to these guys who tell stories and and the thing. I I said I'd love to be on a train with Stan and Red and Bob, you know when they we took trains back in the forties and fifties, you know, and uh, listen. But Red would tell stories about going to New York, about going to um, um, uh, the restaurants and the plays, and and him and Stan would would go out and uh, and uh, you know how one time they they went out and they were they got out a little late and they. They they snuck in after curfew and and uh, Stan uh, Red says to Stan, "Come on, we got to get going." He says, "We're past curfew." And they get back in and and they had a double header, of course, the next day, right? And Sunday he played double headers and and Red always jokes, says, "You know, we got twelve hits between us in the double header." And then he said, "Stan got ten of them." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, but, Let me, any truth to the rumor that when you walked into a restaurant, uh, Jack just stood up and said, "Go crazy, folks! Go crazy!" No, he, no. <laughs> I tell you what, he, he was he was true. The stories he would tell. I used to give him an uh, insulin shot uh, uh-huh. the last four years of his career at home, and he would tell me a joke or a story every day. And I'm thinking, gosh, Barry, you dumbbell, that was the book to write. Yeah, I would have called it a shot of Jack. Wow. You know, and he would tell me a story, and I should have written them down. You know, and 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 I, I share some of these with his son Joe, and and Joe will tell me a story about it. And we almost, and Joe even said one time, he says, you know, we're not sure how many of these stories have been fabricated. You know, because it's such a lore around Jack, and you know, he he told such great stories, and and people said had great experiences having dinner with him. And he asked Tony, Tony, you know, one of the great dinners I always had with Jack, and I asked. Bob Gibson once, or he was in the training room. A real quick story about Gibby. He's he's a wonderful guy. I love him, and 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 he's in the training room. A couple guys are asking him questions, and one of the kids finally says, "Mr. Gibson says, how did you like facing Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente?" And Gibby just looks at him and says, "I don't know. You ought to ask them how they like facing Bob Gibson." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Barry. You know, so you know it, it's. It's a wonderful career, and and Thurman used to always said to me my first year says Barry, if you don't like this life, you're nuts. Hey, it's, a, it's a wonderful life. I've had a, a very special uh, career. Um, fortunately, I've been in wonderful places with wonderful people, and you know I, I tell my minor leaguers, I said, guys, I said, do do yourself a favor. At the end of the day, take take sixty seconds or ninety seconds and write down or record things that you did, people that you met. A great quote that you heard, someone told you a good story, or something you learned on the baseball field, because you'll end up with a journal that you won't, you know, years later that you really cherish. And and these stories, you know, I, I um, you know, uh, wrote a lot of these down and 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 recorded a lot, and here was eating my way through baseball. That's because the I name, can't cook. That's the name of the book, Eating My Way Through Baseball by Barry Weinberg. Barry, love to have you on again sometime. Maybe Anytime. around maybe around Father's Day we can sell a few books for you. All right. Yeah, I hope I I hope we're playing by then. <laughs> I think we I you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. You know uh, that I think the the sad part is the uncertainty and you know the country this is a you know this transcends sports, you know, and yep. and you know the issues that we have we all want sports to get back. You know, no and can you imagine, you know, we turn on the TV and there wasn't even a, a bad hockey game or basketball game to watch, you know? Yep. And, and, uh, or a first that's, round that's, of the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah, I know. That's, uh, you know, that, that's what's saying. And, you know, everyone looks forward to that March Madness. You know, it's, it's one of the neat, uh, uh, iconic things in sports. 
And, uh, yeah, we can't have it. So, right. yeah, it's uh, eatingmywaythroughbaseball.com. And uh, thank you very much for giving me the time All and right. any time, guys. All right. Thanks, Barry. Take Stay well. Barry Appreciate Weinberg. It. All right. There you have it. We are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Live Casino Hotel Studios. The Batter Round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. While some upcoming events have been postponed out of caution, there are plenty of upcoming events at Live Casino Hotel in their brand-new state-of-the-art venue, the Hall at Live. Those events include Patti LaBelle, May the 2nd, Wu-Tang Clan, May the 8th, Jay Leno, May the 15th, the 1975, May 29th, Alice Cooper, June 21st, Jerry Seinfeld, July the 10th, Air Supply, August 16th, Gabriel Iglesias, August 22nd, and more. There's free parking for all events. Get your tickets for everything now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And the latest edition is available now of Pressbox, the print edition. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the future of sports betting here in Maryland with the push for legalization having already played out in neighboring states. Plus, our annual college lacrosse outlook as we get to know the area's top men's and women's players, including Johns Hopkins, Joey Epstein, and Maryland's Brindy Griffin. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. We'll be back with Bill Latson right after this. Don't we have a commercial break? I thought we would have had a commercial break. We haven't had one yet. We haven't had one, but it's 1045, and you, it says on here he's coming on at 1045, so I called him. Okay. We'll, we'll do that. Joining us right now is Bill Latson. Bill, how are you, my friend? Doing great, man. How about you? Uh, no complaints. William, how are you? Doing great, Craig. What? When did you sense that this was kind of going to go the way it's gone, Bill? Uh, was it when they first separated the managers and their postgame pressers, like Tuesday? No, I thought it was going to happen after the NBA suspended their season. Yeah. And I thought after that, uh, everyone in sports would uh, follow suit. And as, as you've seen, uh, for the most part, that's been the case. Well, let me ask you this, uh, and, and this has been something that's been asked of me on a couple of different shows I've been on over the last few days. Uh, if, if Rudy Gobert doesn't test positive, uh, do, do, do you think this would have uh, turned out the way it did in terms of the NBA at least? Uh, that's a great question. Probably, probably not. Uh and, you know, because I'm thinking at this point, you're probably still going to play games, but they might be with you know in empty arenas. Right. But but when he caught it, I think, and another uh, Utah teammate caught it. Right. I think that's what made everyone say, "Hey, we got to stop this." So, yeah. and I think they did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, there's no question they did the right thing, Bill. The the thing that was somewhat stunning to me, though, it seemed like. In the case of baseball, timing where they were just in the midst of, of preparing for a season that I'm wondering what the real harm would have been if these players 
had been sort of kept together and sort of played sort of internally, kept practicing, because now it seems like you're going to have a two- to three-week stoppage or maybe even as much as a month stoppage. Then when they say, hey, we're going to have games starting May the 10th, now you're going to be April 15th, April 20th, and you got to ramp up again. Um, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, you know what, though? I disagree with you. Okay. I, I think what they've done, uh, telling their players to either go home or stay at the spring training facility, Right. I don't have a problem with that. Because the ones that are going home, obviously they want to be with their families, take right. care of their families. And uh, whatever baseball has done thus far, I don't have a problem with it at all. Okay. Uh, you would agree, though, that the notion that this season has been suspended for two weeks is, or, or that the, the opening of the season is going to be suspended for two weeks, this has got to end up being more like a, five, a minimum of a five- or six-week suspension, really. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how long it's going to be. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, to be safe, I, I think that baseball especially is doing the right thing, tell everyone to stay at home or stay with the team or whatever. I, th- I don't disagree with anything they've done. Yeah, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I thought when baseball put out the statement yesterday that, you know, they were kind of changing their tune a little bit in terms of players going home. Now, I've been reading uh, this morning where the Nationals uh, will continue informal workouts, but there won't be a whole lot of structure to it. Right. Certainly no uh, inter-squad games or anything like that. The stadium is shut down. But I thought once they made that announcement yesterday, that to me was the first indication, Bill, that, you know, this this April uh, – April 9th uh, kind of target date was was kind of unrealistic and that it more than likely would be later in the month, if then. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if it, if it went past the April 9th, you know, uh, date. Right. It wouldn't surprise me. I think you have to be safe. And, and, and uh, there's nothing more I can say about it because what they've done um, is correct, in my opinion. Yeah. We're talking with Bill Latson from MLB.com. Bill is our guest uh, on a weekly basis on the program. Bill, we had a, uh, uh, it's, it's tough to call it a tragedy because nobody has died, uh, but Trey Mancini with some harrowing news that he had a malignant tumor in his colon and within five or six days of the results coming back on his colonoscopy, he was operated on. They're terming it successful at this point, waiting for pathology reports. Anything ring a bell uh, or, or resonate with you that you remember somebody going through something like this? Uh, in a baseball baseball standpoint, yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess the, the obvious one is uh, the football player who played with the Bears in the 60s. I, I keep forgetting his name. I apologize. Brian Piccolo. Brian Piccolo. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, the, and the other one too uh, we can think about locally is when Eric Davis played with the Orioles. Right. He had the colon cancer and uh, uh, actually took chemo treatments when the playoffs were going on, and he was a part of that uh, in in '97. I want to say. Right. He and Boog had it yeah, within and, about and Boog, a month right, apart. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right, yeah. And, uh, y- you know, um, the thing that I think that's on Mancini's side, he's young. Yeah. Um, he'll get stronger, and I think he'll be back. Well, let's the hope only so. Thing, the only thing I don't like is when I hear the word malignant. I don't like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, which means uh, negative things to me. So, uh, I hope he'll prove everybody wrong. Yeah, I mean, normally, and not to get too graphic with this, when you hear colonoscopy at my age, you say, hey, you had some polyps. We nipped them, you know, we'll send them in for pathology. And um, But this was called a tumor, not a polyp. So it's yeah, obviously right. been there longer. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are going out to the Mancini family uh, and no the doubt. Baltimore Orioles and, of course, Trey most directly. Bill Latson is our guest. Bill, um your Yankees, and I'm not trying to trivialize all that's going on, but with all the injuries they have to Stanton, Judge, Paxton, and others, uh, this certainly, in the case of Paxton and Stanton, makes it a lot more likely that they'll be ready on opening day. Uh, you have to think that, but, uh, you know, again, as you as you said, it, you, you are trivial, trivializing it, and, uh, you, you know... Um, yeah, they'll be back. Uh, the thing is, Aaron Judge won't be. No. It looks like he's going to be out for a while. But uh, I- I'll tell you, though, um, I'll say it again, though. I don't think the Yankees are that great. I don't think they're a world championship team. I mean, you can't underestimate Tampa Bay. Even though they traded Tommy Pham, I think they're still good enough to win that division. They're an awfully good baseball team there's no, no question, question about, about it. it i think they're an awfully good baseball team but more importantly what makes them that is an, they're an awfully good organization yeah to be able to put together uh the teams that they do and from a pitching standpoint you know, you know we always hear you know there's the philosophy of the nationals where give me the starting pitching every single time as opposed to maybe using the opener like tampa does and to be able to make that work Right. As efficiently as they do, I think speaks volumes for the organization and whatever the analytics are that they use. It also they got a great manager too, and Kevin Cash. Yep. Yeah, so, he's a terrific uh, young manager. Oh, yep. no question about it. I mean, the last two years, you could argue that they were almost as equal as the Yankees the last two years. And uh, two years ago, I thought Kevin Cash should have been manager of the year. I thought he did a better job than what Bob Melvin did, because I remember before the season started, everyone uh, thought they were dead. They were finishing last. They were trading away players during that period, and uh, they almost made the playoffs that year. So I'm a Kevin Cash fan. We remind you we're broadcasting the bat around from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Our guest is Bill Latson. Uh, Bill, this hasn't been talked about yet at all. Uh, might be an interesting column for you. I'm um, thinking of writing it here locally. What does this do, this delay and the cancellation of all the college and I'm assuming high school baseball games, what's this going to do to teams' abilities to accurately forecast who they want to draft come June? Uh, well, I, I don't think... Well, as of right now, I don't think the drafts are going to go that far. I mean, um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, the College World Series is up, so I think there's enough play, in my opinion, 
already for for coaches and scouts to see um, the college baseball plays. Well, you know I'm, I'm just basing this off of something Mike Elias said while I was in Florida. I was in Sarasota from the 4th through the 11th, and at some point Elias was quoted as saying, hey, I'm just ready now. You know, as spring training gets ready to break down, I'm just about ready now to start digging into the draft. Yeah, but I think there's enough film out there okay. to to know, you know, who to draft. You know, I'm sure, yes, you want to see another live performance for these players, but if you can't, you have the film. I mean, that's why they have them. So there's enough DVDs going out to see these players. Okay. Um, your thoughts on, and I know you you weren't really in Florida, but uh, your thoughts on what you're observing from a distance and how the Astros were being treated and how they were handling it and with some of the injuries they have now to Verlander, do they become a lot more suspect as to being able to retain their AL West crown? Well, I mean, with the delay, you know, of course that could hurt. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, again, you have Dusty Baker there. And so far, you know, the players have been acting professionally. So, so that's a good thing. But uh, in terms of the delay, I'm sure it's going to hurt people, you know, in terms of the delay. I mean, we saw what happened in 81 when the players came back after the strike. And some of them could hit, some of them couldn't hit. So, um, I mean, my biggest memory was uh, Bob Watson. Bob Watson was one of the best hitters around. And uh, when they came back from the 81 strike, he couldn't hit anymore. Right. Although, even though he was still starting. So, I mean, that's just an example. I mean, you don't know who's not going to hit, who's going to hit. But, uh, you know, I, I might add, that was the start of Kirk Gibson's great career. So, I mean, he... he Everyone's comparing to Mickey Mantle that time. And if, if memory serves me, he hit like 328 that year. Right. So, so it didn't hurt him. So that's just an example. He could hit anybody. You know, I, you, I don't know who. You mentioned Dusty Baker for just, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just, can you imagine what Dusty's thinking right now? I come, I come back. Right. And I've got a cheating scandal to have to deal with, and now a pandemic. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if if I'm Dusty Baker, I'm like, you know, I really need did, this. Did I really sign up for this? <laughs> yeah, but uh, believe me when I tell you, though, you're not going to hear Dusty complain. But he's glad. Oh, to be no back question, in the no question about it, no question. But I just, I just thought about that the other day, and I was thinking, wow, that's crazy. Bill, how much do you miss your sports when they're absent? Well. um... I mean, are you a big NBA fan? A big oh, uh, he's definitely know. a big NBA yeah. fan. I, yeah, I, let, let me let me say this. I have a different perspective now. Um, when the strike happened in '81 and '94, man, I missed the game. I missed it big time. Yeah, and I remember. I remember um, when I was living in LA, the strike happened in '94. I went to Tower Video, and the the lady saw me buy a bunch of uh, baseball videos. That, right. that year. She said, man, you miss baseball. I said, man, yeah, I do. It was boiling hot. It was like 90 degrees. Right. And, but now I have a different perspective. Uh, considering the condition I'm in, yep. 
um, I couldn't care less. I just want to live and uh, get my transplant. I have a different perspective now, and all I want is to see everyone safe from this coronavirus. That's the bottom line. Anything new on your possibilities for transplant, Bill? Uh, No, I'm currently uh, near the Mayo Clinic right now. I'm leaving uh, today. And, uh, you know, uh, they found a few things, nothing serious. But the bottom line is uh, I feel confident when I'm in here. And uh, it's the best hospital I've ever been to. So that's the bottom line. And your your blood type, again, is O positive? O negative. O negative. Okay, the rarest of all the forms of blood. If anybody out there... Uh, would uh, care to involve well, themselves. That's, that's because that's because Bill Latson Bill is, is one of a kind. No, well, he's the you know it's he's the rarest of individuals. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> but all kidding aside, if anybody out there knows that they are O negative and would be uh, interested in talking about a kidney uh, transplant, participating in one, uh, Bill Latson sure could use one. Uh, Paul, I know you've got a question for Bill. Yeah, hey, Bill. I have um, a question about the Brewers. They went out and they signed uh, Christian Yelich to a nine-year extension before last yes. weekend yeah. uh, for $215 yes. million. Now, for him, that's a bargain. He's an MVP. He was having another MVP-type season last year, and it's under $24 million a year. My yes. question is, I- I'm not quite sure what the Brewers are doing, uh, simply because it would have been like if the Orioles signed Manny Machado to an extension because they have Keston Hura at second base, but not much else. They traded Zach Davies. No prospects in baseball's top 100. What is their plan moving forward? Are they going to be big in free agency? Because I just don't see the the sense of signing a big player with nobody around him. Yeah, so some people feel that uh, Yellow should have been traded if you're going to do if you're going to sign them that cheaply you, and get a lot of players in return. But uh, I, I think. Um, Let's face it, he's their drawing card now. He's not Ryan Braun anymore. And um, I think, um, you know, considering what happened last year, they won without him. I think with Craig Council there, I think there are people who still think that they can, uh, you know, at least compete for a wild card again. And, um, I mean, but I understand what you're saying, though. It seemed like the most logical thing to do was trade them for a bunch of players and get some. Uh, you know, some uh, prospects return, but obviously what he's done the last two years has been phenomenal, and they don't want to lose that drawing card. Yeah, they think they can piece this together and get through it and come out the back end a little bit better. Bill, yes, we no, appreciate, no we always appreciate your being on. Safe travels home from uh, the Mayo, and we'll uh, look to talk to you next Saturday. You got it, man. You guys take care. All right. Thank you, Bill. All right, there's Bill Latson. We've got to pay a few bills, and then we're going to have our friend um, Eric Garfield on with us. We will tell you again uh, that we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. The Live Casino Hotel Studios. Real barbecue and an amazing selection of whiskey and microbrews. When you come to Blue Pit Barbecue in Hamden, you get the cool atmosphere and the best barbecue in the area, all made fresh and smoked every single day. Open for lunch and open late. Blue Pit is also great for parties and events. Go to BluePitBarbecue.com for menus and directions. That's Blue Pit Barbecue. 
That's BluePitBBQ.com. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we get back, we'll, um, we'll pay a few bills right now, and then we'll be joined by Oriole Hangouts' Eric Garfield and talk some Oriole prospects. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Terps and Caps season with all the games on dozens of TVs. Sliders' daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week, including Fancy Clancy Pilsner. Find out about all of the parties and get info on having your own party or company event at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars. Royal Farms is known for being real fresh and real fast, but we're also real Baltimore. That's because Baltimore is our home base and our home. Like purple and black, flamingos and sunglasses, or crabs and Old Bay, our subs are real Baltimore, right down to the name. We make them fresh, delicious, and to your order, all day, every day, at a price that's easy to swallow. Royal Farms subs are another reason why Royal Farms is real fresh, real fast, real Baltimore. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. What has two premium cod fillets breaded and cooked to tasty perfection and served on a toasted buttered bun with dill pickle chips. It's the Chick-fil-A fish sandwich, and it's back at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. This also means that the fish strips and deluxe fish sandwich have resurfaced. Chick-fil-A fish is the lightest, flakiest, tastiest fish you'll ever put in your mouth. If you're hosting or headed to a party, pre-order from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square Catering. Not only is it delicious and a fan favorite, but it smells amazing, and it'll be ready when you are. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you want your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031. That's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? Go to army.com slash Baltimore to find out. To learn more, contact your local Army recruiter and find us on social media at U.S. Army Baltimore. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, voted best sports bar 18 times, where we have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Enjoy $6.99 burgers on Mondays, $5.99 nachos on Thursdays, and other food and drink specials throughout every season to help you cheer on your favorite teams. Come in today and try something new from our seasonal menu. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. We are back on the bat around Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. And we, uh, again, we know you're missing your games out there, but uh, this is the next best thing that's out there sports talk. Uh, please like us and share us if Sp- you're. Sports talk with no sports. That's, well, <laughs> I, you had to mention that? I. I thought we could bluff them for a while and make them think sports were still going on. Ah, boy. Uh, Joining us right now is an old friend. But anyway, like and share the program, please. 
I don't understand why. Miles Goodman has done two shows. Mm-hmm. Both of the shows he's had done have done well over 900 views. Uh-huh. You and I do shows 400, 500. What's what Miles you? Goodman got that we don't have? I don't know. Maybe it's Paul Valley. Could be. Yeah. All right. Joining us right now is an old friend of mine, and uh, he goes from Snowball snowball entrepreneur in sarasota florida to orioles hangout writer he is eric garfield eric how are you my friend good happy saturday sorry about the lack of sports i'm feeling it too guys yep 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 it's part and parcel of everything going on right now um so when the orioles we hear that they're suspending minor um, uh, spring training did did twin lakes park shut down immediately upon that announcement as far as I know, uh, it was within the same day. I don't yeah. know if it was immediately, but I found out uh, Friday morning, yesterday morning, and I think they were still planning on having camp at that early point, like in the 8 o'clock hour. Right. And a couple hours later, camp had shut down, and they were uh, they moved on to determining, are the players going to go home to where they live? Are they going to stay here? Are they going to go to their... Uh, cities where their uh, where their affiliates are. So uh, those decisions, I don't think they've been made. So because these guys are different lifestyles, different salary structures, different situations, uh, and there's a lot of them. I think they're still kind of around in Sarasota and trying to do what everybody else is doing. To, you know, stay to, out of the population, stay safe. To give people a picture of this, when when we talk about Twin Lakes Park, and this is, again, where the organization's minor league players for the upcoming season are all training kind of collectively, and then they're branched off to Aberdeen, uh, Delmarva, Frederick, you know, who they're going to play for. How many players are we talking about? Is it 250? Uh, roughly, it's, roughly? Not, it's uh, approximately it's over 200 probably not that many but something like that and okay. all the players on my list i didn't get a chance to see them all i don't think they were all p- dressed and present but it's a, 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 a that's a reasonable number now uh, you're writing for orioles hangout now and i've talked on the air about what you did before that where you own your snowball company until you had the accident where somebody uh hit you on your bike um would you visit twin lakes park before doing the writing i mean did you stay up on sort of on the whole prospect thing prior to the accident a year ago uh i i absolutely did i actually had never been there for uh orioles minor league happenings or practices or games before i started doing this though and uh, it really is. It's a lot to see and a lot of progress. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy as a, a fan, a supporter, and a reporter that I made the made the switch. So my question is: Are you aware of what it looked like 18 months ago, 24 months ago, four years ago, in terms of how many Latin players are in the organization now, as a, or international players, as opposed to the, to prior to uh, Mike Elias coming in? I know it was a lot less. Okay. I know the effort now is to fortify the system from the from the lowest levels up, so really the bottom levels are the 
the Dominican Summer League, so I know that the effort to increase is on, and it's already, well, depending on the schedule, it's supposed to come to fruition uh, this season with a lot of the, the rookie league uh, team coming from the Dominican this year. Hopefully that still stays on schedule. Adley Rushman, obviously, you know, throughout this spring training, and then he, you know, was sent down. Uh, but what what have you seen from him personally, uh, just by watching? I mean, Craig, he is great at baseball. He's not very good. You know, all the skills, all the body movements, all the measurables, all the effortless ability, it's all on display. He's also somewhat mature. He also has elements of leadership qualities uh, coming through. He really communicated with the pitchers, and he, you know, he was there doing this from day one of pitchers and catchers at big league camp. So if Orioles officials are looking for any blemish or any area that he really kind of underperformed or really didn't bring it, I didn't see him every day, but I also didn't see anything like that. Then when you put him in the cage, he hits well with both hands, a little more power and drive, left-handed, but he's athletic from the crouch, standing up. They, they were doing football drills with him. He could turn and catch, so... You know, Adley's, Adley's off and running, and Orioles fans should be extremely excited. I don't, I don't know that he's going to get any better, but he's already great. He needs <laughs> five or 600 more minor league at-bats, and, you know, let's see what the number one overall draft pick can do. I, I, I estimate it's a lot. Well, and that's why I asked was because I know Stan has a question for you uh, considering the catching depth with the Orioles. Well, you and I talked about this the other night at our big dinner with Peter Schmuck, Ron Matz, <laughs> Scott Garceau. Uh, and, I'd like to have been a fly on the wall on that one. And then you, <laughs> you would. And then you and I drove over to Yogurtology and had a little yogurt, and you were telling me that even beyond Rutschman, this club is really well fortified at the lower levels in catching. I, I feel very strongly about that. and Can you uh, give us a couple names and descriptions? Sure, absolutely. I'll start with Chris Burgess, the guy that made me pay more attention to the rookie league team after watching him play uh, once. He went to college. He went to uh, something in the Georgia State system. But he has he's very big. He's an excellent defensive catcher. Maybe the best arm in the organization, the closest thing to a 70 arm in the organization. That's amazing. That's an amazing foundation for, for defense to work from. And he hit third or fourth and delivered some pretty clutch hits for a very good team that, that performed well offensively. He really was a leader. And so he played, he, to... he played for Alan Mills' Gulf Coast League team last year? Okay. He played. He was part of my favorite batter, including closer Nick Roth. But uh, Burgess started at the rookie league last year, so we'll see what he does moving forward. But I was really eager to see him come back to camp and see if he showed some swagger and some attitude and some leadership. And of course, he did. Where and, where uh, would you where would you expect him in normal term normal season? Would he go to Aberdeen and play a short season, or would he go to Delmarva? Hmm. Uh, gosh, I 
don't really know the factors behind those decisions, but like I said, I was looking for him to come with focus, determination, and leadership, and he did more than that. So if I'm saying, if I have expectations for how he came, I I would say he exceeded my expectations and might deserve uh, a little bit, uh, a a level up into the A, uh, into full season. And uh, he also is, I believe, 23. So age might play a part in that also. They, wanna, but, they might want to goose him up a little bit. Yeah. Possibly. Okay. Uh, how, about, how, how about a couple of the other catchers? Because you mentioned uh, two or three of them, I think. Right. I was going to say uh, Brett Cumberland, who I talked about with Paul, uh, high on base. Um, High on base backstop who was obtained in the Kevin Gossman trade. Then there's uh, Yet Harris Yet, who also caught with Burgess in the rookie league last year. Him and Burgess have a similar uh, power profile. And then there's another guy, Jordan Cannon, who was drafted last year from Sam Houston State, where he really kind of was a cleanup profile. And I saw him. And I've seen him in the cage. I saw him hit a uh, one over the fence in the Gulf Coast League. And in the cage, he looks pretty good. He it hasn't translated into success for him yet. But this is these this is the lowest level. This doesn't include the things the guys at the highest level or the close to the highest level, like Cumberland, like Rushman, like Austin Wins, like Holiday. So organizationally, if you look at the Orioles, there's some places where they're really not. Up to snuff, not on par with other organizations. But when you look at catchers, I think they very much are. Well, let me and a- that's something that's really easy for people to ignore. Well, let me ask you this. When you look at this farm system overall, and, and, and you know, for the longest time we kept hearing reports about how bad it was and this and that. But over the last two, three years, those two years especially, we've gotten reports that, you know, many have changed their mind on this Oriole organization as a whole as to what the minor league system looks like. From your vantage point, uh, would you agree with some of those reports? Very much so, Craig. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to uh, do this professionally is because throughout my life, the system has been focused on one name or one guy. We need, it needs to be, all be about Jeffrey Hammonds or whoever, and that's it. And if, and if he doesn't make it, you know, then A and double A and triple A all feel the effects of it. And now it's a population. It's an entire system. It's contributions from different guys and different roles being filled. So it's, it's, a, it's like a company filled with opportunities at every level. And the Orioles want guys to maximize their abilities. Well, it's like, it's like a pipeline, and there was not a lot in the pipeline three, four, five, eight, ten years ago. And right now, this pipeline is getting filled. It's getting filled, but the other part about it, too, from an organizational uh, plan and perspective, we all remember, quote-unquote, the Oriole way, and when... Guys came up through the system, and granted, the game is much more different now than it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago, but one of the ways that this team was always successful is that you had to make your mark in each level of the minor leagues before you got to play Major League Baseball. That's not the case, obviously, anymore. Uh, A lot of your talent at the Major League levels can come from double-A, not triple-A. So, I I mean, how important is it then, in your mind, 
for the organization to be on the same page with all levels of the minor league system uh, in terms of the way the game is taught, in terms of just the way players come through the system? If I had the ability to write a full story, I would write on a topic very similar to that because that that's something that I see. It's now not four different uh, sub-organizations doing their own thing. Every single drill by every single guy at every single position, it's the same. Same with pitchers, every structure for warm-up. It's all this calisthenics, everything. It's routine, and it's all the way the same from the top to the bottom. And I think that's because the ins- even, even the instructors are new. They're all going to grow together and determine what works and what doesn't, and they're all going to be on the same page as far as that. So I guess the idea of uniformity throughout the organization isn't just stressed. It's completely vital with this regime. So we'll, we'll see the results, but, but it, I think it's more talent than any other factor. And now the talent is real. Let me ask you, uh, you and I spoke, and uh, there's just an assumption by everybody that Adlai Rutschman is the best prospect in the organization. You think the highest upside belongs to somebody else, don't you? I think that in a couple years, Gunner, Gunner Henderson, the infielder, the second-round pick in Adley's draft, will have achieved a loftier prospect status mm-hmm. because of a potential higher ceiling. Adley is in every single way exciting and, like I said, great at baseball. But I think for right now, I think the ceiling that Gunner represents, the potential, it's just, it's just so high. And I, I feel because of what I've seen now, but I feel even stronger because of the initial stage of the development that I've seen from the Gulf Coast League to now. That's a big, big step, a significant one. And he's made it with a, good, a, a little bit of a body change, a lot of confidence, a lot of great communication and taking to coaching skills and leadership. Then you put him on the field and his movements are just really, really, really supreme and really elite, really flawless, no wasted motion, a, a teeny bit of, of, of hole in the left-handed cut, but you know, really a, a good swing to connect and drive the ball. So for me, that's that little bit of excitement like, what if, what could be, that makes him number one, but by a very, very, very slim margin. Hey, got to ask you uh, how this whole thing came about, Eric. You know, I've known you through other facets of your life, got to meet you really and get to know you through your snowball company. But after the accident, how's it come about that you hooked up with Tony Pente and are offering your writing and insights on the minor leagues uh, to Orioles Hangout? Oh, Stan, I'm so glad you asked. And thank you for, for supporting me when I was uh, not at my best. But uh, since my accident, I realized that I had a little bit different schedule and a little bit more free time. Uh, I live very close to the Orioles Stadium and was going to devote my time to whatever uh, baseball happenings were going on there. And I offered my <laughs> abilities to observe and inform people to 
uh, a couple different websites and entities in Baltimore, and uh, I didn't get any response. And one day I was reading on Orioles Hangout, and Tony had posted something specific, and I wrote that uh, that position is pretty ideal for me, so let's see what I can do. And he said, you know what, I think that is ideal for you, so... You know, take this opportunity and we'll work on uh, access and a press pass. And hopefully you'll be able to find a, a little niche and maybe even pay more attention to the minor leagues, which I didn't think was possible, but he was right. So uh, he's been very supportive in my uh, what I'm trying to do and what ideas I have specifically. So really, it's only, it's, it's only started. We, we, had a lot, we, had, yeah. we had a lot planned for the next couple weeks. Yeah, I'm sure you did, and uh, it, it too shall uh, this too shall pass, and you'll get on your way. Tell me a little bit about your because I know uh, it's not like the Baltimore Sun or Press Box or or the Athletic has somebody out there every day at Twin Lakes Park covering the minor league system. So you are out there. Has it been noticed by somebody like a Matt Blood? Yes. Absolutely. I met him the, the first day. Uh, he's kind of gave me the grand tour, told me what to look for, who to watch, what, what, what kind of drills are going on. So, yeah, he noticed me right away. It's a very intimate environment. It's actually uh, too bad you didn't get out there, but it's, it's different. And uh, blood is indicative of the overall attitude. There's something happening on the field and a lot of people are proud of it so i think uh they were figuring me out and i was figuring them out also but everything that was happening was pretty positive and you know the team would like to share and show their stars and so they also have to grow them and that you know that's an important process for any type of fan well and it's not an easy thing to do either because Obviously, the I think the general fan really looks at it and says, "Okay, what's going on with a major league team?" And you know, to 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 be able to put the energy and the resources in that you do to this or for this, I think serves everybody really well. I appreciate that, and it also has a lot to do with the people that read my site and give me ideas. Uh, you can look at Orioles Hangout and read things about the minors and learn every single day, and I do. And there's still plenty of things that I have to learn. So it, it, it's a good thing. But really, you know, the thing that keeps the whole wheel turning is the talent in the minor leagues. And if there was just not enough of that to write about or care about or read about, it just, it just wouldn't be happening. The good thing for Orioles fans is that now it, 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 nobody is debating that. Mm-hmm. So that, that is happening. So hopefully... A couple weeks from now, hopefully less than a couple months from now, we can get back to you know doing our thing. They can play. They can go from A to double A, and we can keep talking about them. All right, Eric Garfield has been our guest. We're gonna when this gets ramped up, we're gonna lean on you. Okay, that's fine. I'll be ready. I'm ready right now. All right, I know you are. I know you are. We got to catch up on a break. Uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Later. Good to talk to you guys. All Have right. a good Saturday. All right. He is Eric Garfield of uh, Orioles Hangout, a marriage made in heaven there. Yeah. Uh, live Casino. That's we the are studios we are broadcasting. That's we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. And we will tell you that um, 
While some upcoming events have been postponed out of caution, there are plenty of upcoming events at Live Casino Hotel that we want to make you aware of in their brand new state-of-the-art venue, the Hall at Live, and those events include Patti LaBelle, May the 2nd, Wu-Tang Clan, May the 8th, Jay Leno, May the 15th, the 1975, May the 29th, Alice Cooper, June 21st, Jerry Seinfeld, July 10th, Air Supply, that's Air Supply, August 16th, Gabriel Iglesias, August 22nd, and more. Free parking for all events. Get your tickets for everything now by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com. Real barbecue and an amazing selection of whiskey and microbrews. When you come to Blue Pit Barbecue in Hamden, you get the cool atmosphere and the best barbecue in the area. All made fresh and smoked every day. Open for lunch and open late. Blue Pit is also great for parties and events. Go to BluePitBBQ.com. That's BluePitBBQ.com for menus and directions. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Okay, I'm getting an Italian cold cut with oil and vinegar. Turkey and Swiss with extra mayo for me. And I want a ham and cheese with everything. Before we go to the game, we go to Royal Farms. It's not football without a Royal Farms sub. At Royal Farms, it's all fresh. And delicious. In this town, you don't tailgate with a hoagie. You tailgate with a Royal Farms sub and world-famous chicken. Royal Farms. Real fresh. Real fast. Real Baltimore. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordeen dives into the future of sports betting here in Maryland with the push for legalization having already played out in neighboring states. Plus, our annual college lacrosse outlook as we get to know the area's top men's and women's players, including Johns Hopkins' Joey Epstein and Maryland's Brindy Griffin. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Terps and Caps season with all the games on dozens of TVs. Sliders daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week, including Fancy Clancy Pilsner. Find out about all of the parties and get info on having your own party or company event at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, voted best sports bar 18 times, where we have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Enjoy $6.99 burgers on Mondays, $5.99 nachos on Thursdays, and other food and drink specials throughout every season to help you cheer on your favorite teams. Come in today and try something new from our seasonal menu. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. 
If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. He is Mr. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. Ravens linebacker Matt Judon. Appreciate it, y'all. How y'all doing? He is Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Coach Mark Turgeon. You bet, guys. How you guys doing? Joe Burrow. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coach Mike Loxley. Thanks for having me on. Jalen Stick-Smith. Thanks for having me The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be he is the great Dicky V, Dick Vitale. Kyle, two-diaper dandy. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Uh, we are back on the battle round. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist and Paul Valley. Uh, and uh, we've got one guest left this uh, morning. Matt Zells is going to join us in just about two minutes from uh, Fantasy Alarm. Okay. And we were checking in. Uh, I was checking Twitter with the Nationals and things of that nature. And uh, while Major League Baseball has suspended spring training and a lot of the uh, – facilities were shut down uh you, you you also had the option of staying and working out and things of that nature i think m- the majority of the nationals are doing that mm-hmm. uh the uh, from wh- everything i've gathered and what i've read uh the workouts there'll be no like you know inner squad games or or nothing formal nothing formal so uh a lot of this is just about basically staying ready staying in shape to whenever this uh they get the okay to go ahead and start uh, ramping up operations again. So let me ask you a question before we get Matt on, and he's on with us and uh-huh. can hear us, but we'll go to him in a minute. Just before this, uh, Max Scherzer's last outing, he complained yeah. of some rib cage side right. issues. And then it was a, yeah, he, he complained of some side issues, weakness. Uh, but uh, threw a bullpen a couple days later and reported everything was okay. All right. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. All right, joining us now is somebody who I had booked uh, before all this went to hell in a handbasket. Um, Which this show does a lot. Well, <laughs> I'm talking. I'm talking about the the coronavirus situation uh, and the one that has necessitated the closing down of all of our major sports. Uh, and he joins us right now, Matt Zells from Fantasy Alarm. Matt, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Just finishing up some uh, baseball research for my draft uh, next weekend. Yes, so- we are still drafting, even though there's no guarantee of when the season will start. It's like it's 1995 again. Right. So let me ask you a question because our league took the opposite approach, and it was one that came about in about 24 hours because I was of the opinion that I was of the opinion that baseball was going to continue spring training if not play before fans, I thought it made sense. It was me. I was hitting something. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was of the opinion that baseball was going to keep the teams together, um, even though I predicted baseball wasn't going to start on time. Uh, But our league has decided to postpone indefinitely our draft. Uh, Do you size up or sense what percentage of leagues are going in that direction, canceling versus going in the direction of continuing with their drafts? Uh, well, from 
dealing with my uh, colleagues' draft decisions this past week, I would put it at about 50-50, uh-huh. or maybe even 60-40 in favor of uh, postponing. Um, my league is a little different. There's It's not run by you know any other major provider. It's just a home league, uh-huh. and we all travel from different spots of the East Coast. I'm in the Midwest now, but we all travel, so it's kind of harder to get everybody back together right uh, a few weeks later and it's it's a kind of an auction draft that you can't really do online with the way that we have it set up and the bidding system and whatnot so it really works better for a live draft but you so know, where where is that is that going to be like in chicago or something Some... it'll be in atlantic city atlantic city all right yep it's been hosted in atlantic city for this league is over 30 years old and it's always been in atlantic city that's so. cool well now i can't tell you that i'm a i'm a fantasy player because i don't and uh, well you're playing a different fantasy well realm. that's true but yeah. uh, here here's what i suggest to everybody during this downtime yes grab some stratomatic baseball remember that game uh, oh there you go there, there you, you go. go that's that's what i'm talking about now i don't know whether they have current versions of it out but when I play, I think they do. I played in a Stratomatic league a couple of years ago online. There are yeah. a few uh, websites that and, still and host it. It should be yeah. no problem. It should be no problem because this year's game would be based on last year's stats. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So right. That's that's the way I would suggest. You, you know what I it. thought would have been great. Seriously, if I were even more entrepreneurial and a little younger. Remember they did that thing where well, they... You're over for 2 on Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or more virulent. <laughs> but I'm still virulent. Okay, over 3. Yeah. <laughs> um, remember about 35 years ago, they came up with that that hypothetical computer-generated boxing matches. Yeah, yeah. Remember like mm-hmm. Ali fighting Joe Lewis or something? Right. Wouldn't it be interesting to have played out the NCAA tournament through that, well, yeah, you know, through games. Well, I, I've already seen. I've already seen one thing where uh, they they did a little bit of a you know a makeshift tournament type right. thing where they've already crowned Dayton the national champion. Really? Yes. Okay. I think Maryland might have gotten into the Sweet Sixteen. Might this have. Year. Who knows? All right. uh, our guest is Matt Zells. Matt, so you're you're going to have your draft in Atlantic City. Is it next weekend? Yes, next Saturday, a week uh, from today. Okay, and in other words, how will you form? How will teams or players pick their players when they won't really know exactly who's going to be on rosters five, six weeks down the road? So my strategy, and hopefully none of my league mates are listening to this, but my strategy is I'm going to focus on the guys that aren't the fringe roster type guys. Um, you know, I know there's it's harder to save money doing that in an auction format, but I can't go with, you know, I'm going to take a risk on this sixth pitcher type guy who may or may not have won a spot in the rotation had he gotten another two spring training starts. You just can't bank on that because at this point, it is what it is. The teams have the information they're going to have to make their roster moves. And we'll have to play it by ear. Maybe they continue spring training because I was listening to an interview with Trevor Bauer um, yesterday, and his questions were, well, how are we going to gear back up for the season? Because pitchers use spring training to gear up and, and yep. inning load 
before the season, so you can't just cancel spring training and then immediately jump into. No, there's going to be there's going to need pitchers. there's going to be a, a need for at least a two and a half three week uh, amp up period again. Right. ramp up period. Yeah, right. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I guess we'll have to go back to again like 1995 and figure out how people built teams. I mean, it was a different game back then, but the same principle of they started the season late '95, coming off the strike that ended the '94 season early. So. That's kind of what I'm going with. What about... And then you what, drop projections. Yeah. Because there's not going to be... There, there's likely not going to be 162 games. I've heard some rumblings that it would in the regular season would go into October. Yeah, I think it's going to be... But I don't, I don't think baseball would actually do that. I think it's going to be about 130 or 140 games. I well, don't think you know, and reading what I'm just reading now from... Uh, MLB trade rumors that uh, Rob Manfred met with Tony Clark and the Players Union to discuss a lot of these issues. And while nothing's been set in stone just yet, uh, Ken Rosenthal, uh, along with uh, Evan Drellick of the Nationals, or I'm sorry, of the Athletic, uh, both say that uh, it's unlikely uh, that this season will start until May at the earliest. Yeah, yeah. That, that seemed obvious to me, yeah. you know, once they shut it down. Um, I, you know, the one way I've always thought baseball could shorten its length of season, but not so much the games, was by playing like one doubleheader a week mm-hmm. or maybe one doubleheader every other week. Uh, if you did that over, say, there's 26 weeks in a Major League Baseball season, if you did it every other week, you could do 13, you could pick up, Let's see. Let's say the the season is shaved by five or six weeks. So if you did one every other week, you could pick up ten games. Everybody could play ten extra games and get up back up to about a hundred and forty five. Yeah, or and that would make it more realistic. Yeah, I think so too. Um, what about players like Giancarlo Stanton, James Paxton, who it was assumed were going to miss? A little bit, a good chunk of time. Uh, are their prices going to go back closer to much normal, uh, Matt? I would expect them to because at this point, because if the season had started on time, their value is based off of what they provide compared to everybody else at their position who's healthy. Right. And if they miss time, they'll clearly provide less, less stats. Right. However, if they... If they're healthy when the season starts, they're not going to miss any time compared to anybody else unless right. they get injured again, which is a possibility with guys like Stanton, who, if he breathes wrong, pulls something. Um, so his value is going to go up a little bit more. But keep in mind, everybody else's value might be deflated a little bit mm-hmm. because people are projecting lower stats. And when you project lower stats, it drops value, so it's a little, we're in a little bit of uncharted territory here with it. But it actually helps guys. And there's another guy like Mike Clevenger. Right, his value is going to go back up because he won't miss as much of much of any time. And yeah. and in your home market, there, Trey Mancini. Who knows what happens after his procedure? We wish him all the all the best, and clearly that's more important than baseball. But he may not miss that much time compared to everybody else at this point. I, I want to pump the brakes on that. I talked to a doctor friend of mine yesterday who is also battling cancer himself. 
uh, he said, and I'm just going to be perfectly blunt about this, this notion that, hey, because he's a tough guy, he's just going to he, – he doesn't think Mancini will play at all this year. Uh, this is a okay. this is a major major thing where he's going to probably have to go under some chemo for a while. Uh, this is not just something you tough out. Uh, now, again, well, wait, all I had seen were reports that he had had the tumor. Yeah, it's uh, a malignant. It's a malignant. Heard any? It's a malignant calls. tumor. They knew it was malignant, so he's got to first. Uh, they got to get the pathology reports back to yeah, see if true. they got it all and. Um, we'll see. I look. I I hope like Hector was some magical way he could be back in June or July. But I was told by this guy who's a, who is a doctor. He hasn't examined Trey Mancini uh, or seen the pathology reports. But he said he'd be shocked if he played at all this year. So, yeah, that makes sense. I just thought, I didn't realize it was a uh, malignant tumor. Yeah. I just thought it was a tumor he yeah. had had. Remove so, but but there are breaks on Trey Mancini there for sure. Yeah, but Trey Mancini though is a wonderful, wonderful guy and a valuable piece of the Orioles that uh, they are going to be deprived of for at least a good chunk of this season. We're talking to Matt Zells. He is our uh, one of our baseball fantasy fantasy baseball experts. He writes player projections uh, for. uh, fantasy alarm, uh, Howard Bender's company. I understand you won an award or something. Howard told me you won an award. I did. Yeah, I won the 2019 FSWA, which is the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. I won their Racing Writer of the Year award, and that was the second year in a row that I've won it. So, auto, I cover NASCAR as well. Is is that your is that really your true passion, even more than baseball? Baseball is 1A and NASCAR is 1B. Okay, so they're close. They're very close, All yeah. All right. What's 1A? 1A is is baseball. Oh, baseball's 1A and NASCAR's 1B. I'm sorry. Yes. Let me ask you this. When you go into a fantasy draft and, and take this year out of How the... How come you never ask me these questions? Yeah, because I know what your fantasy teams do. <laughs> when you go into a fantasy draft and take this year out of it, because obviously this is not the norm, but what is the main thing you're looking for when you put that team together? Because, and, and I ask this because you're looking at, you, you know, play. some players are going to perform differently than others, obviously, some up to expectations, some down to expectations. But what do you look for? So, what, What's your strategy, in other words? So this is where I tend to use uh, sabermetrics and analytics a lot more. And I know that there is pushback in the fantasy community to not draft off of those because they don't actually count in in stats categories for your typical 5x5 five five or 6x6 six six roto leagues. However, they can be very helpful when you're trying to figure out who's going to have a breakout year, who's going to regress to the mean, and, and things like that. So I take those into account. But generally, my basic strategy is before the draft starts, about a month you know, in, in, in my research time, which really gets going in, in very early January. I go back over the last few years of whatever league I'm preparing for, and I see what people have hit in their stat categories to get them into the top five in each of 
the I play Roto, uh-huh. so this is mm-hmm. going to be a little different than if you're playing head-to-head or you're playing in a points league or something to that effect. But I look at what people did to get into the top five in every category in Roto, and that's what I set my goals for coming into this current draft. So I'm drafting based on those set of goals, and I can tweak it based on who I get, and if my average is dropping, okay, then I need to focus on a higher average guy. But if I need some home runs, then I can adjust on the fly. The other key part of my strategy is getting multi-positional players because they give you not only flexibility in the draft because you can move them around in the draft if a guy comes up that you really like who's at a position you theoretically have a player at already, you can move the multi-positional guy. And then, like, for example, Cattell Marte. Perfect example. Guy fits second base and outfield. Right. Let's say you draft Cattell Marte and you put him at second base. And then it's getting late in the draft and you don't like any of the outfielders that are up, but you like a guy like Glaber Torres, who qualifies at second base. Now you can move Cattell Marte to the outfield and go get Glaber Torres to go be your second baseman. Right. Whereas okay. if you only had... Uh, Brian, know, Do- Brian, Do- Brian Dozier. You had Brian yeah, Dozier. Let's say you had Brian Dozier. You wouldn't have been able to make that move. Claver Torres would have been off your board. Right. Okay. So I really like multi-positional guys. As far as pitchers, I focus on, I'm not going to say that I punt saves, but I don't make it that big of a part of my draft strategy simply because the price you have to pay for the guys that are quote-unquote locked-in closers in most leagues prohibits you from getting a good bat or another good starting pitcher. And most closers only really give you one category, and that's saves. There are the guys that give a fair amount of strikeouts, but the ratios aren't going to affect your, you know, their ERA and whip aren't going to affect your team's ERA and whip that much because they don't get that many innings. So... I focus on taking a shot at a guy that might get saves later in the year or getting cheaper, like, perfect example, the Washington Nationals and, frankly, the the Baltimore Orioles, who will likely use a committee until Hunter Harvey takes over the role some point in June or whenever the season gets going. The Nationals have already said that they're going to split time between Doolittle and Daniel Hudson. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'll go after whichever guy I can get cheaper as opposed to going after like a Kenley Jansen or uh, Liam Hendricks of the A's or something like that. Right. Or I'll go after like Will Smith for the Braves because there's no guarantee that he or Melanson will be the locked-in closer. So that's kind of the rundown of my strategy. Um, I'm going to give you a quick insight on the Hunter Harvey. I don't think that this is – especially this year, I'm not predicting career-wise, I think the club is going to handle him with kit gloves. They will not pitch him more than a real handful of times on back-to-back days, if at all. He did was not used in relief last year ever without at least three days rest in the major leagues. And this year, I talked to Brandon Hyde about that, and he said our main strategy with Hunter 
is to make sure he gets through the season healthy. I, I don't think I still think he could get 18 or 20 saves. The notion that he's all of a sudden going to become a quote unquote closer, I don't think is going to happen this year because of the right. But that's why I'm saying he's more value. He's he's a better target for me than say a guy like Aroldis Chapman, right, or Kenley Jansen. Because you're because yeah, you're punting. You're... Hunter Harvey is still going to get you enough saves to compete, but you're going to get him for a cheaper price. Yes, because he's not a locked-in closer, and they've already Agreed. come out and said Agreed. they're using a committee, but they like Hunter Harvey's stuff. Agreed. So, all right, I asked this of um, I asked this of Howard Bender about three weeks ago, and even though my draft is going to be delayed substantially. Here's I've I've got one player to keep of these five players. All right, I okay. want your opinion. Robert Perez at a dollar, Max Straw at eight dollars, Yande Diaz at five dollars, Austin Hayes. Excuse me, I've got two of these five players I can keep. I'm sorry, Robert Perez at a dollar. Um. Austin Hayes at five dollars, Yande Diaz at three dollars, um, and who was my last two? Was Josh Miles Straw? Miles Straw at eight, Josh James at four. I get to keep two of them. How much was Yandy Diaz? Yandy is five. Uh, Austin Hayes is five. Straw is eight. James is four. And Robert Perez is one dollar. I'll make it a little easy on you. All along this winter, I thought I was going to keep Perez at a dollar, but the the eighth guy I can keep, which would be one of those four, has become so complicated that I'm thinking that the the guy I shouldn't keep is Robert Perez at a dollar. Yeah, I don't know if, if he's going to hit. Two I'm not that high on Roberto Perez this year. Right, he's gonna I know he's coming off a great year in 2019. Well, a great he home, absolutely lit up. A great home run season. He hit like 22 yeah. or 23, but he hits like 215, 220. Right, but the the question I have is how much did the ball help that home run total? Because that's far and away his best. Yeah, home run total in his career. Yep, and. That's why I'm leaning. I'm really leaning. I'm leaning toward dropping him. Yeah, I mean, all along the Indians believe that Jan Gomes was actually the better bat. Yeah. Than Perez, who was the better defensive catcher. So I would probably go of those two. I would go Hayes and Yandy Diaz. Okay. And what about Josh James? At four. He's. He is really intriguing at four bucks because yeah. there's a real good chance that he starts the year in the rotation. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, for the Astros, because they've got Verlander and Granke and basically nobody else that's guaranteed a spot. Right. Um, I mean, they've got a whole bunch of people they can mix and match in there between uh, McCullers and Framber Valdez and Jose Urquidy and Josh James, and um, they got Forrest Whitley theoretically coming up. But there's a reasonable chance that Josh James also gets a chunk of time as a setup guy in the bullpen, and then that $4 doesn't really get you yeah. a whole lot. So I would go with Yandy Diaz, who should be the starting and third baseman for the Rays, and Austin Hayes, who will be the starting center fielder for the O's. All right, you just threw in a name 
that threw me off because all along I get to keep uh, up to three ultra players who have not appeared in a major league game. I have Forrest Whitley. I am leaning now toward dropping him. Um, I, I, I think just, that's probably the safer. Yeah, I'm choice. not. I'm not seeing the progress that I wanted to see out of him. Yeah, I've actually dropped him in my rankings for the Astros system. I mean, how far down? How far in, down is he now from where he was? I think he's probably their number three prospect. Yep. Right now. Yep. I would put Kyle Tucker and and Urquidy ahead of him. Yep. The only reason Jordan Alvarez isn't is because he played enough games to lose the the prospect standing. Right. Um, clearly, as he was up for rookie of the year last year. But yeah, I mean, Forrest Whitley. There's some attitude stuff there. He tested positive for steroids, and ever since that, he yeah. hasn't been the same. Yep. He also got injured. Yeah. And just as he's climbed, his stuff has become more hittable in the upper minors. So. All right. He um, is he is Matt Zells from Fantasy Alarm. We appreciate your being on with us. FantasyAlarm.com is the place you can read Matt. When we know a little bit more about when they're going to gear up, we'll get you back on. All right, Matt? Sounds good to me. Always love talking to you. Good luck in Atlantic City next weekend. Thank you very much. All right. There he goes, Matt Sells. Absolutely. Where does Matt live? Where does he live? Yeah. I don't know. Nebraska. Really? Yeah. He's outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right. We are going to pay a couple bills, and Craig, it's been long overdue. Yeah. Costas in. You haven't done a spot for Costas in in nearly two hours. Yeah, well, you know. Can you can you eradicate that? Uh, I can do that. Yeah, I rectify can. that. I mean, not eradicate. Right. What is well, eradicate? I. It's eradicate. Go Whatever. Ahead. Can you rectify it? I can rectify it for sure. Uh, the cost is in forty one hundred North Point Boulevard in Dundalk is the place for the best seafood in Baltimore. Great specials on the menu. Each and every day of the week, crab cake night on Monday. Tuesday is rib night. Wednesday is steak night with half-price bottles of wine for anything on the menu. That's red or white? Red or white, yeah, wow. absolutely. And then uh, lobster night is on Thursday, stuffed, or you can get that regular. Great specials uh, each and every day on the menu. Uh, prime rib. Uh, you might run into a night where they have the blackened scallops. That's always a great favorite of mine. And don't forget the best crab cakes in town, uh, the best crabs in town, and you can get them shipped uh, anywhere in the country that you want. Just give uh, Pete a call over at the Costas Inn, and he'll arrange for that. So now if you are sort of <coughs> quarantining, self-quarantining, yeah. or social distancing, you don't want to go out, you can get your crabs delivered to you. Mm-hmm. from anywhere in the country there you go all right that's great um and if you are still venturing out they are open the cost is in uh you can call in make sure they've got crabs at 410-477-1975 always a great experience at the cost is in a great dining experience and you will be treated like family all right hey the batter round is presented by mobile one mobile one full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life visit your local jiffy lube service center and ask for mobile one and baltimore's favorite bar sports bars just 771 feet from home plate sliders bar and grill just steps from camden yards perfect place when sports are in to watch the games on TV. Right now, you can't do that 
we'll be blunt about that. But Slider still has daily specials, including Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week, including Fancy Clancy Pilsner. Find out about all the parties and get info on having your own party or company event at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars. We'll remind you, we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. We'll be back to close things out in just a couple minutes. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? Go to Army.com slash Baltimore to find out. To learn more, contact your local Army recruiter and find out on social media at U.S. Army Baltimore. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the future of sports betting here in Maryland with the push for legalization having already played out in neighboring states. Plus, our annual college lacrosse outlook as we get to know the area's top men's and women's players, including Johns Hopkins' Joey Epstein and Maryland's Brindy Griffin. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What has two premium cod fillets breaded and cooked to tasty perfection and served on a toasted buttered bun with dill pickle chips? It's the Chick-fil-A fish sandwich, and it's back at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. This also means that the fish strips and deluxe fish sandwich have resurfaced. Chick-fil-A fish is the lightest, flakiest, tastiest fish you'll ever put in your mouth. If you're hosting or headed to a party, pre-order from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square Catering. Not only is it delicious and a fan favorite, but it smells amazing, and it'll be ready when you are. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you want your party catered by Chick-fil-A, 410-931-0031. That's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Brett the Hitman Hart. It's good to be on the show. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. Broken Matt Hardy. Excellent. The bad guy, Scott Hall. Hey, yo. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le champion! Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stan the Fan, Craig Heist with the bat around on this first weird week without sports yeah and uh you gotta go home and this would be a good time to maybe clean out the house <laughs> you know. when's when's the last time you did that it's probably 20 years ago 9 11 9 11 the last time we came to a grinding halt right, right uh you know i feel for you because I, i'll tell you last night i really 
had a hard time because so much of my march is about getting ready for my draft. Mm-hmm. It was just no urgency to that because, uh, you know. But you look just on the bright that. side of this. Yeah. I haven't lost any money you yet. You haven't lost any money yet, considering the way most of your draft seasons go. This this could be a blessing in disguise. Doesn't feel that way right now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what would always, you, what I'm would you, always here for you. What would you have tonight if uh, sports were in? Did you have a Wizards game tonight? Uh, I did have a Wizards game tonight, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. If the season – I'm assuming they will come back and play another five to ten games of the regular season. That's my guess. Yeah. In the NBA, don't you think? I would think that's the case. Yeah. Then we're going to have intense playoff action that will probably go into July. Could very well yeah. happen that way yeah. for both the NHL and, and the NBA. The NBA. Right. right. The one sport that's sitting in the catbird speed is the NFL. Not affected, hasn't impacted one thing that they do really. Um, and and this coming and, week, and, and right now free uh, agency starting. Free agency starting. Uh, a lot of players had uh, franchise tags slapped on them yesterday. Uh, was, was yesterday the first day of yeah, the... Yeah, I believe it was, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, also, uh, the NFL, with the uh, draft being in Vegas this year, right? Uh, they've uh, not uh, made one mention of whether or not that draft will be held outdoors uh, at that site where... When's it supposed to be, like April 20th or something like that? Yeah, 20th or the week after that. I'm thinking they... <laughs> They should be able to do it, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll keep have in to mind see. keep in mind the amount of people that show up for that too is is it's pretty great substantial. So, yeah. Well, they might have to do it. I could see them seriously doing it without people being allowed to watch. You know, just the officials from the teams. Yeah. The Ravens did franchise Matt Judon yesterday. Yes, they yes they did. Did the Redskins franchise anyone? Uh no, not that I'm aware of. Okay, and they are still making attempts to trade Trent Williams. Yes, and uh, there was a report yesterday uh, while I was on the air uh, that not a lot of progress has been made. They they're attempting to. They've given Williams the him and his agent him and his agent the opportunity to try to set something up, and right now that's not going real well. Okay. How is his health right now? As far as I know, he's fine. All right. We will most likely see you next Saturday. Yes, sir. All right. Paul Valley, thank you very much. Baco's still open? Yeah, we're Yeah, we're still open. Um, business, as you can imagine, is a little bit slower right now. But, yep. you know, we're taking all the proper precautions. Come on out. We're there. You know, we want to give you good food and great service. All right. Uh, listen, we urge our audience to uh, appreciate the seriousness of what's going on right now. Social distancing is the way to do things right now. Uh, we will be back. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer Monday through Friday will be here this week. Although Friday, Glenn Clark is due to have his vasectomy with Chesapeake Urology and Dr. Brad Lerner. Uh, so... I get an extra day of work on the radio next Friday. All right. All right. All right. That's going to wrap us up again. <laughs> and better him than us. <laughs> okay. want to remind you also that it's not too late in the show to like and share the program Absolutely. on Facebook Live. All right. Uh, stay well, everybody. Be safe.